we all know what that represents. A bride. Right? A bride. Beautiful bride waiting on her wedding day. And I want to ask you guys a question because this is going to be a very serious message. Are you dressed in white? Are you dressed in white today? Think about just what it means for the, the color of white or the, the absence of or all the colors together. Are you dressed in white? Amen? Can you guys turn to Revelation 19, verse 6 in your Bible? Scripture verses today are going to be on the screen, so you guys can check it out. So, Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the, the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting and shouting, Hallelujah for our, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear Find them and stand through the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Now, some just some context right here. Revelation is a book of worship. You know, people like to look at Revelation and say, Well, I, I want to see the end times. I want to you know, pull from it and just think of how cool the imagery is. But Revelation is a book of worship. You can go into almost any chapter and you're going to see some hardcore worshiping of the Lord. Elders falling down on their faces and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Angels constantly going around and around the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We have the multitudes singing songs to God. To Him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Be blessed and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Think about these. It's just so many different scripture verses in Revelation that express this worship of God, of who God is, His holiness, His awesomeness, what God is doing, how His judgment is just. And in, Re in Revelation chapter 19, this is actually in the context of now, majority of the tribulation has passed. And Babylon, the city that has taken the, the major one world religion at the time, and one world government, where it houses it, is now fallen. Where now it's been destroyed. And now all of heaven is starting to praise God. All of heaven is starting to praise God because it is almost time for Jesus to come back. The next mm -hmm. chapter talks about the, wider, the, the rider on the white horse. He's coming right now, and every all of heaven is starting to sing, Hallelujah for our our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. And finally, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Why is it that the bride wears white on her wedding day? I mean, at least what it stood for in old, old times, 
And this is a rhetorical question, sorry guys. I'll be asking rhetorical questions. <laughs> That's okay. What is it that stands for? It stands for purity. It stands for righteousness. Fine linen, bright and clean. And so fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And elsewhere in Revelation, I believe it's Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, it says, I, I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you could, uh, you could eat and white clothes to wear, white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. It's a beautiful thing that God wants to give the church, people who, who accept him. White clothes to wear. He washes away the filthiness, the rags, the stains with his blood, and he makes you white as snow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just a, like a, a paradoxical thing in your head, real quick? Blood washing away everything is making it white as snow. It's just, I, for me, it's kind of funny. I mean, like, I, I don't wear a lot of white clothes, as you can tell, but you know what I mean? Like, when I, that's the reason why I actually don't wear white clothes, because it gets stained so easy. But God, with his blood, Washes it away. Washes away all those things, all those filthy things. White as snow. White snow is so white it hurts sometimes. If you are like driving or you're like covered in it, like it just it hurts your eyes. So here, here is God finally pulling the church to him. And it's a glorious day. It's a glorious thing to happen for the for the church to be considered the bride and for the wedding of the Lamb to have finally come, for the woman that is considered, you know, the church to stand before God with righteousness and say, Here I am, and, and it's just like the most beautiful thing. And that's why actually that last song that we played for worship was in there. I know you guys probably never have heard it, but this it, I remember when I first heard it, I just started crying because it was just it just touched me so much. This is the story of the Son of God hanging on the cross for me. And it ends on the, the wedding day. Can you think about that? Where, where, where does our story begin? Where does our new life begin, right? With Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ on the cross, dying, mutilated, just a terrible death. And yet it ends in heaven on a beautiful day where we are basically marrying Jesus Christ. Come on now. Sorry about that. You are wearing the white. You have fine linen. You are... You are studded out. Like I know my wife when she was when we got married and all that stuff. She did her hair. She did all what? that stuff. She was, she was good that day. The question is this: Now that we understand that we are the the church and we are the bride of Christ, are we only up to that? The question I asked originally was: Are you dressed in white? Because some people like to say that they are Christians, some people like to say that they, they really do follow things in the Bible and they are in the church of God. But I want to ask you that question. I want you to ask it yourself. Are you dressed in white? So there are three questions I want you to consider today. And these questions have to reflect on if you were about to really marry Jesus, really, legitly marry Jesus, these things have to be in your life. Otherwise, God wouldn't marry you. Jesus wouldn't marry you. I wouldn't marry my wife if these things were in, in, in her. So, a first question to ask for yourself is, am I pure? Okay? 21st century America, you got people clubbing, 
got people going to Club D on, on Irving Park and, and Central and all that stuff, and then they, they decide to have all these different relationships, and then when they get white, I'm going to wear white on my day. No, wait a minute. Let's take this seriously. Let's go to the Bible here. Ask yourself this. Am I pure? If you are considered the bride of Christ, are you pure? Do you deserve to wear the white on that day? We're going to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 1. You know, upheld for this title that you are claiming to have. Right. 
You want to be in the church of God. There's so many benefits. You are born again. You are having salvation by faith. You don't have to do anything. You have the spirit of God that gives you the strength to go out in this day. You have the boldness to go in and preach to people. But if you want to go ahead and play God, mm. no, I'm telling you, you ain't worthy of that white. So are you dressed in white today? Are you really pure? Does that white mean something to you? Does that white mean something to you? Good teacher. The second question is, am I faithful? Come on. Preach. Am I faithful? You gotta preach. If you guys can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 14. Now, this woman in this picture is eating up inside. She goes to bed with her husband. She plays the, the cards all right. She says, mm -hmm. I love you at the right times. She says what she wants to say. Then the reality is, when she has her back turned when, when the, the husband can't see, she's getting eaten up in the inside. Clawing at her, consuming her. The deepest parts of her, the heart of heart, it is consuming her. I am unfaithful. I am an adulteress. Now, I want you to ask yourself the question Am I faithful to the bride of Christ? You can be whatever it is. Are you faithful to the bride of Christ? Are you faithful to the church? Are you faithful to being who you're supposed to be? It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Just real quick, the bride of Christ and the body of Christ are basically the same thing, just two different, different you know, examples for you to understand how it is to be you know, a church member or to be the church. Now, if you skip down to verse 20, as it is, there are many parts but one body. But I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It's kind of funny, I think about it. When you look at the scripture verse, it's at first, what the, the body is trying to say is, Oh, I, I don't know, because I'm not that, so maybe I don't belong to the body. It's first of all, I'm just kind of like self-abasing myself a little bit, like, you know, I, I, I'm not too sure if I can do that. I'm not too sure if I can live that Christian life. I, I see that, but I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden, they actually become part of the body, and now it's like they're the miss, like, I'm so judgmental of everything. Now they can say to the other parts of the body, oh, I don't need that, or I don't need that. It's like the Christian coming to the church, getting saved, and now the Christian saying, oh, I don't need discipleship. Oh, I don't need to go evangelize. I don't need to go do those things. And then, and then eventually, that little unfaithfulness to the, to the body of Christ becomes, well, I don't need that church. I don't need to go to that church. I, I can go to that church. After all, we're just part of the body, aren't we? You know what I mean? Come on. Like, maybe it's not that important. That, that, the foot's not that important. The foot is not that important. Really? Come on now. The Bible doesn't teach you to be unfaithful. The Bible teaches you to be faithful. To be who you're supposed to be. It teaches unity. Where, where in the Bible does it teach you to be the, 
like, the, divisive. Where does it teach you to do that? It's all about the unity of Christ. It's all about following in one spirit, one mind, to go after God. Amen. All right? So it's like if you want to go ahead and point to the Bible and say, well, you know, my pastor's not treating me this way. My pastor is not, you know, telling me to do this and this. I'm sorry, but the Bible tells you to stay committed to where they brought you, all right? Amen. All right? Amen. We're not talking about, the, the, like, the, the woman that, that's in the Old Testament considering, you know, the, the bride of the Old Testament where she could get, get away with whatever she wanted to. She can go after her lover. She can fall in love with different idols and all that. No, we're talking about the bride of Christ. If you want to go further into the scripture, you can look into Ephesians chapter 5, and it talks about how Jesus laid down his life for the church, and how he laid down his life so that the church would be, what, radiant, blameless, holy, without blemish. Think about that. That is the church of God. It is not this blemished woman that is kind of like, you know, struggling with her sin a little bit. It's a woman who's, who's made herself there. She understands what she has to do. She has made herself ready, as it said already in Revelation chapter 19. She has fine linen to wear. Now, I'm not saying that you are going to be saved by works. I'm not saying that you are going to do those things. I am saying to you today that when you get saved, now is your time to actually work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Come on. You are supposed to go after God now, not hold yourself back, but go after God the way he wants you to. We're not playing with this. God is not playing with this. God is not playing with, with this, man. I'm telling you. Come on. If Jesus would come down on the earth and suffer, criminal's death if you would suffer a criminal's death for us why in the world would we want to make it about us with a little, a little flick of the nose we get a little upset we walk out of the church with a little flick of the nose we, we say oh thank you God but not for me gay marriage oh well that's what the Bible says you're so hate you're a hate monger now We just get so upset at God. We just want to walk out. While Jesus, not, not being fully God in splendor and in holiness, on the throne where angels worship him day and night, day and night, saying the same thing over and over again, holy, 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 comes down on earth to be a man. Die for us. And look at those a little thing. I heard before a preacher say it like this. It's here, here stands God at the day of creation. And he's, he's telling the plants to whirl in, into unison. He's telling them to move around. Where, he's, where he says now the gravity can no longer come this far. Otherwise it will crush us. So he says no, you cannot go any further. He says the waves to obey, to go only so far. So that they cannot consume us. And yet all these things obey him. They say okay, I will, we will do that. They, they do it. You don't see the waves out of order. You don't see the waves coming all over the earth and it's just one rotating ball of water. They're always in the same coastline. Always just going the same place. Planets are... Come on now. All of history, nothing major catastrophe. Oh, the sun is starting to fall out of the sky. No, nothing like that. Everything is upheld in order. And yet when God comes and he tells us, will you please follow me? Will you be faithful to me? We say, no! No, God, No! I will not do that. You don't understand. You don't understand what it is, okay? I can do what I want. I can go down to the next church over there, and they'll tell me whatever I want to hear. Don't be in denial, okay? Once you have heard the truth, that's it. You are accountable to that truth. 
Mm. You are accountable to that truth. And if you are going to walk away from God, if you're going to be the, you know, the, the, the promiscuous woman in God's life, I'm sorry, man, but you are not God's wife, man. You cannot, you cannot put on that dress. You will not put on that dress. What you will put on is just, you will be thrown in the lake of fire. You will put on some fire around your body for eternity. Are you dressed in white today? Are you the wife, or let's say the fiancé, who is pure, who has made herself, just waited all this time, who said, I will be faithful as well? Pure and faithful. What a beautiful thing for a woman who is dressed in white to represent. With jewels encrusting all over her dress. With a smile on her face, knowing that she knows that she is going to get married to the Lamb of God. Mm. The last question I want to ask you guys today is, am I really in love? Imagine this. Imagine that you, you get married, fellas. And the woman's coming down the aisle. She hasn't been pure to you. And as well, she hasn't been faithful. Ooh. And obviously why she hasn't done these things is because she doesn't really love you. So she's just coming down the aisle just to get what she really wants. That's all. She just wants to get the benefits of the relationship. Maybe you have some money, maybe. You know, you're not going to beat her in the future. But she doesn't really love you. Are you doing that to God? Come on. Are you doing that to God? Do you really love God? That's good. Look at this. Luke chapter 14, verse 15. We're just going to read it. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Can you say that word? Excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. This is Jesus talking about it. It's a parable, the great banquet. So what happens when, when Jesus comes to you and says, Will you follow me? What do you say? What do you say to him? When he, what happens when Jesus comes down? I love you. Will you love me back? Will you, will you give your life to me? I gave it for you. Will you do those? Will you do those things? What do you say to Jesus? I'm sorry, Jesus. You see, what happened is that the adventure just came out and... Um, I heard it's a really good movie, and so I, you know, just want to go check it out, you know what I mean? I gotta go try it out, I gotta go watch it, sorry. Oh, uh, Jesus, I, I, I got this, uh, got this new job in Decatur, 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 Illinois, and, you know, I, I just, I know you want me to go to this place right now, but I, I just go over there, sorry. Another one is like, I just got married to Buddha. I just got married to something else. I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not going to your wedding because I don't want to be your bride. I want to marry Buddha. I want to marry uh, myself. I want to marry what I can make of my life. Thank you very much, Jesus. Now get out of my face. Listen, this is what's happening. Jesus is so awesome. He is rich in mercy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And 
This whole entire message hasn't been about are you the best Christian, you know, type of thing. It's simply a relationship with God. And that is what it will always be from now until forever. It will always be a relationship with God. If you don't want a relationship with God, you do not want to go to heaven. Because that's what heaven's all about. You are going to heaven to have a relationship with God even closer. You are going to see Him face to face. You are going to worship Him at His feet. That's what it's all about. It's about a relationship with God. And God, throughout the whole entire Bible, reaches out to the people, reaches out to them. There's so many places in the scripture where you can understand that God is reaching out to the persons that he loves, the people that he loves. One such place is in Song of Songs. In Song of Songs chapter 2, it talks about how there's this the lover, the man is actually, he's leaping across mountains. He's, he's running up into the place where the, the woman is. And he's going closer and closer to her. And he says, arise, my darling, come. Look at everything that I have made. Look at everything that, and how beautiful springtime it is. It's time for love. Jesus is so passionate about us. He is so in love with us. He is a loving God. Come on now, man. He is not just, I'm just angry all the time type of thing. He is a loving God. Amen. Always extending his hand out. Always extending his hand out. Another part of Song of Songs talks about how the man comes into the, in the nighttime and you know, tries to woo the girl to come and all that, but the girl's like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. Just, I just woke up and I'm all groggy looking and all that stuff. I'm all nasty and all that. <laughs> but, you know, he, he's, he, he's basically trying to woo her to come out. And what happens is that she's like, oh, no. And then so by the time she actually opens the door, he's gone. And she, she goes searching for him. She goes trying to look for the lover and all that. This is a love relationship. This is a day-by-day -day relationship. You see, when we're talking about that, that woman, the bride of Christ, when we're talking about that beautiful, beautiful woman who was getting married to the Lamb of God, we're talking about a wife who wants to be there every single day, who wants to talk to the husband every single day, who wants to be pure to her husband, who wants to be faithful to her husband, who wants to love her husband. Why is it that we try to complicate it? We say that, oh, I can't do this in the church, or I don't want to go through this thing because it's too hard. I'm sorry if discipleship is too hard. What it really is, we're just trying to get you to love God more. We're just trying to get you to be on the correct path of God. I don't know why we make it so complicated. Why it becomes so difficult. Why we want to place other things in the way and say, well, God is boring or, you know, it's just, I don't know how to do that. Man, God is so awesome. He gives so many things. He's the refuge to us. He is, he is the, the provider. He's the counselor in the time when we need a counselor. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of power. Because of him, we don't have a spirit of timidity. Come on. Come on. Think about that. You talk about somebody being introverted and turned into an extrovert because of the spirit of God. That's what I'm talking about right there. God does that. He will rock your world. You go into the presence of God. The Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. That will blow your mind right there. Imagine this. Imagine that you are at Wrigley Field, or for people who are at Sox, you can go to U.S. Cellular or whatever. And it's like you are you're at the moment where they're about to like win the World Series and the home run and all that stuff, and everyone's like, you're like, man, I can't believe this. Nothing can get better than this. The Bible says that one one day in the presence of God is better than a thousand worlds. Can you believe that? One day is better than a thousand World Series. Repeating over and over again. One day in the presence of God. One day in His courts. We need to love God, don't we? We really need to love Him. But the question that you need to ask yourself is, am I wearing white? Am I, I want to go back to this right here. 
just to look at her. Are you dressed in white? Are you dressed in white? You see, because Scripture talks about the day when you will meet your king and when you will be married to him. And it is in the middle of some praise and it's talking about hallelujah. It's talking about thank you, Lord God Almighty. And if your attitude right now is, I don't see why that's such a big deal. And I'm sorry, you missed it. You are not dressed in white. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much you think that you've done it. I don't care if Misty Edwards says to me, I, you know, I preached, I, I worshipped as much as I could have, and at this moment, I, I find it kind of boring now to be in the presence of God. I'm sorry, but you've lost the point. You are to be the bride of Christ, coming before Him. Coming before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's supposed to be a beautiful day. Think about that. Think about who you are. Imagine if you were people here who were not married. Imagine how you would feel if you were walking to your husband or for your for the people, for the fellows here to be seeing your, your wife coming but on the inside. You have all these things that you want to really say all these things that you want to get off your chest, you want to say, I'm sorry I can't do this because I've cheated on you, I'm sorry I can't do this because I really don't love you, or things like that. That's exactly what it's going to be like. In one way or another, it will come out. It will come out of you. You can only lie for so long. You can only put on a mask for so long. You can only put on the facade for so long because God is always constantly pushing and pushing until you are real with Him. He is not the religious God where you just come in one hour of the day and then that's just fine. No, he's pushing and pushing. That's why whenever you are outside of the church and you do something wrong, you feel bad because that is the Spirit of God pushing down on you. Reminding you of your commitment. Reminding you of what he has done for you. Of how good he is. 